My name is Els Torele. I'm a global health researcher and advocate, and I'm very pleased to have this conversation today with Jonathan Cohen, who is the director of Open Society Foundation's public health program, which is where we used to work together. So we share a lot of common interests. So Jonathan, you published just recently, um, on, on the 1st of December, in fact, a very interesting article in Foreign Affairs, in which you argue that, especially in the context of the pandemic, the US should set aside its uh, exceptionalism, uh, but instead learn from other countries. But interestingly, you didn't necessarily mean other countries that did well uh, in the pandemic, uh, like New Zealand, Japan, South Korea, some of the Nordic countries. But you actually referred to countries where communities had developed creative and community-led approaches to deal with a pandemic despite or in the face of structural racism, inequalities, misinformation, denial, things that sound familiar to what is going on in the US, but that are not necessarily the obvious candidates uh, of countries that uh, one would take example of. Could you please elaborate a little bit on, on that idea? Thanks, Alison. It is, a, I acknowledge, a, an unexpected argument. And I must say, I think as a, as a Canadian who is an immigrant uh, to the United States, I'm very accustomed and sensitive to the way that the U.S. Um, kind of takes an air of superiority uh, and lectures other countries around the world about human rights and democracy. And I felt that COVID-19 really was the moment for the U.S. to turn the mirror on itself uh, and examine flaws in its own democracy, uh, histories of institutional racism, rampant uh, misinformation, uh, the turn towards authoritarianism that really ultimately threaten public health. And this comes from my deep belief uh, that democracy and human rights and democratic values are, are good for health. Uh, and where governments abandon those values, it really is communities uh, that need to step in uh, to provide for each other, to provide the kind of mutual aid uh, and support and advocacy that helps them uh, withstand a, a public health epidemic. That, that, that's very interesting uh, and in a, in a way a little bit unusual. And, and I guess, as we expect now, uh, that with Biden uh, becoming the, the new president, that the COVID response will shift towards, let's say, a more coherent evidence-based uh, approach it also means a more technology-driven one. We have new diagnostics, treatments, and in particular, the new vaccines that will come along. And technological approaches or technologically-based interventions typically are very much top-down. So do you see, first of all, challenges, uh, but also opportunities for community-based approaches to actually help making those uh, technological interventions relevant in the context that you're just uh, very well describing? Well, I, I think it's necessary. And in fact, I think the temptation is to think that the election of Biden uh, provides a kind of automatic 
correction in the COVID response, that it's a sign that we can have faith in our democratic institutions, that democracy works, that finally public health expertise will guide the response. But the reality is that the deep structural problems that I describe, uh, the disinformation, the institutional racism, um, they didn't they didn't go away uh, with the election of, of, of Biden, just as uh, they didn't begin with the election of Trump. So it's going to be more important than ever to combine the scientific approaches, the medical technologies, the public health approaches with the kinds of community responses that are precisely designed to get at those issues. Um, and I think you and I, um, we worked together for a long time and we saw that uh, what really worked, particularly in those countries with the democratic deficit, what really worked in public health was not science and technology acting on its own, but science acting in concert with communities, with activists who were helping each other, uh, who were claiming their right to help. And that's why I, I try to provide examples from countries like South Africa, like Brazil, like Ukraine, where you and I have both witnessed the power of community, the power of civil society in those countries that are too often uh, abandoned by their governments that, that have challenging human rights track records. And when those communities uh, work together with scientists, with public health officials, that's I think when we start to feel real change. And that's where I hope uh, the United States will draw inspiration. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you.